What is their typical course of action under these base assumptions? Well, I'm going to call every time. So in this situation, uh, my course of action would be to raise. I like a three bet here. And I would say my typical course of action in this spot is I'm going to be three bet raising. Pretty much 50-50 on folding this hand outright or re-raising. Greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Fredland, and we are officially sponsored by Running Aces Casino and Racetrack. Now, this week, we're going to hear from myself as well as two other recreational players, Taylor Moss and Doug Behrens, and also two of our professional players and partners, Chris Fox Wallace with Next Level Poker, which is our official tour, and Jonathan Little with PokerCoaching.com. Uh, as, an, as I remind you every week, if you wouldn't mind, please subscribe to the podcast, rate it, leave a comment, like it, whatever it is. All of that stuff is super helpful as we try to grow. And if you have feedback, topic suggestions, hand situations, whatever that might be, reach out to me on Facebook, Twitter, or email me, stevefredland at gmail.com. Now today we're going to look at our, uh, I guess our second episode in this series where we look at specific situations, trying to give insight into how different players view these decisions and start asking questions about what would have to change to make you change your actions. The idea here is that we're starting to understand the key factors in the decisions, which things actually override other factors, and then how do we uh, relate those factors? How do we decide which one outweighs the others in making our decision? Because as we know, it seems like every decision has factors that seem to lean us toward more passive behavior and others toward more active behaviors, You know, either checking or calling or betting or raising. And so uh, the episode here is really geared to not just the specific hand, but get behind that at some of the principles that are underlying those things. So I appreciate the contributors to this, and hopefully uh, this is going to be helpful. I know it's been helping me um, uh, as a way of plugging myself. Uh, I did happen to take down another Running Aces tournament the other day. I've gotten two, uh, two first place finishes this year and haven't been able to play as much as I, as I have in the past. So it's been a good early start and I credit a lot of the insight and study through Rec Poker for some of that. So hopefully uh, you're also uh, experiencing the same sort of success. So let's take a quick break right here and then we'll come back with the situation. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota. Featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games including earning $2 per hour in comps plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit runaces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. Okay, so here's the situation. A lot of it is similar to last week. We have a 10-person table in the early to mid-stages of the tournament where the blinds are 300-600 with 100 ante. Everyone has 30,000 chips, which is 50 big blinds. And we're assuming, again, hypothetically for the purpose of this uh, discussion that every player is a standard tight aggressive player and it folds to the button alright and the button raises to 1800 or three big blinds the small blind folds and we are in the big blind holding ace five suited so what is your typical course of action under the base assumptions and then we have a number of questions where we ask if you hold all else equal uh, how would different factors impact your decision so I'm gonna go ahead and give my thoughts and then we'll hear from Taylor and Doug, and then we will take a break and hear from 
Jonathan and Fox. So when I think about this deal, I think my typical course of action is really dependent on uh, what I know about the button. Uh, if, they're, if they are, as I indicated here, a standard tight aggressive player, they're going to be opening pretty wide from the button. Um, and so with ace-five suited, boy, I, I feel like it, it's too good to fold. And so the question is, do I call or do I raise? And I would say my typical course of action in this spot is I'm going to be three-bet raising. Uh, and I'll probably raise somewhere in the neighborhood of... Um, they went to 1800 so I'd probably go to about 5000 somewhere in that ballpark, maybe 5200 or so. Uh, and, and my rationale is really uh, thinking about what could happen under each of those situations if I do call or raise. So if I call, I'm guaranteeing, because I'm last to act, uh, last I'm really closing the action, I'm guaranteeing that I am going to be playing out of position against the button raiser. Um, and and I really haven't defined their hand at all. They could be opening as wide as 60 to 70% or even more of their hands. And so I really have absolutely no idea if they're holding pocket aces or if they're holding 5-8 suited uh, or if they're holding jack-9 offsuit. I mean, I just have no idea. And so if I just call, I'm reducing my risk by just calling. Uh, but I'm also putting in a fair amount of chips for, for something I just don't feel good about. If I flop an ace, do I feel good? If I flop... Uh, you know, a, a five, do I feel good? If I flop two pair, I feel pretty good. If I flop a nut flush draw, I feel pretty good. But short of that, I'm not feeling very good. So I could just call and then just see what happens. Uh, if an ace comes, I'm probably just going to be committed to, to playing it all the way down. Uh, and I don't love that spot. But uh, maybe what I do is if I, if I can just say I'm going to play it for its wheel draw and play it for its nut flush draw, otherwise get away from it, something like I would do with pocket threes. If I have that sort of discipline, well then maybe I call and just see what happens. Um, but it just doesn't feel like a good spot for me to call. Now if I raise, I have to think about what would my opponent do. Well, they could fold, and if they're opening 60 to 70% of their range, they're going to fold quite frequently here to my three bet. So that's a really good result. If I can get them to fold and pick up the five big blinds or so that, that that's in the middle already is dead money, uh, I think that's a good result. And I think I'm probably going to get them to fold, you know, 30 to 40 percent of the time here if they're opening that wide. So that's a good result. If they uh, four bet me, then I know I'm in bad shape and I can just fold. Not a big deal. You know, if I raise to 5,000 and they come back over the top for 13 or 14,000, I can just fold. Ace five suit is not that great that I feel that bad about uh, three bet folding. And, uh, and uh, if they just call, now I feel like I'm in the driver's seat. I feel like I've ranged them quite a bit. I can take out the premier hands out of their range for the most part, unless they're really tricky. But I can probably take out aces, king, king, ace, king, queen, queen, uh, and some of those hands. And I can also take out the lower end of their range because I don't think they're going to be continuing now with, you know, jack nine off suit or five eight suited. Maybe they would. Uh, but they're putting in you know, a pretty big chunk of their stack for something that's uh, pretty speculative at that point. So I think uh, if they just call me, I've ranged them quite a bit, and, uh, and I have control in the pot at this point. Um, I can continuation bet most flops and probably take it down a fair amount. So uh, if they just call, let's say if I three bet and they fold a third of the time, they call a third of the time, and they four bet a third of the time, which I think those numbers are wrong, but let's just say that happens. If they fold a third of the time, that's a great result. If they four bet, that's not a bad result. I just fold and move on with my day. If they call a third of the time, 
Now I'm going to be able to continuation bet fairly often. If I don't hit, I can still see bet a fair amount of flops that are that cooperate with where my range is better than their range and take the pot. So I think I think uh, three betting here, in my opinion, is really uh, the best course of action, and it would it's primarily what I would do uh, under these base assumptions. Now, if I hold all else equal, how would the stack size of the initial raiser have to change for us to change our action? So if the initial raiser raises on the button with a bigger stack, uh, I don't think that really changes anything too much. Uh, in fact, I might think might be even more prone to think they're opening wide, and so I can probably uh, three-bet with even more confidence. Uh, if, they're, if they're a lot shorter, though, I think I have to pay more attention because uh, most good players... Uh, say if say if they were down to 12 big blinds uh, and they went uh, a 3x bet, I would just have to ask the question, why did you not shove there? Uh, first of all, most really good players aren't going to put in um, three big blinds for a chance to steal two big blinds when they only have 12 big blinds left um, unless they have a pretty good holding. And... Um, and most of those good players, if they have 10 or 12 big blinds, are just going to shove if they have a hand they want to go with. And even uh, a GTO-type player is going to shove on the big blind with 10 or 12 big blinds with almost any two. And so uh, this is such a weird sort of bet that I think I would probably uh, tend to fold more uh, as they got down to, let's say they got down to 10 to 15 big blinds or less, I would probably just fold. Uh, if they were in the neighborhood where... I'm pretty much inducing, uh, or let, let's say if I three bet and they're pretty much priced into call or to induce them to four bet shove, then I would probably more be more prone to just fold or call. So let's say if they had like 25 big blinds, they went to three big blinds, I raised to uh, six big blinds, um, you know, I, I think they're going to be calling or I think they're going to be ripping it in more often than if they have a big, uh, big stack, like 50 big blinds. So... Uh, probably, I'm, I'm going to say probably 15 big blinds or less, uh, I'm more prone to to um, just call or fold. And probably the same with like 20 or 25 big blinds. So I haven't thought this one through fully, but I would say if their stack is quite a bit less, maybe 25 big blinds or less, I'm going to be more prone to just uh, call or even fold in this spot, uh, especially if I know anything else about the player. Now if our stack was different, how would that change my action? Well, I'd say if I have a short, if I have a shovable stack here, if they went to three big blinds and I have 15 big blinds or less, I'm probably just going to shove it here. I've got to believe my ace five suited is ahead of most of their range if they're going to be opening a fair, fairly wide here from the button in an unraised, unlimped pot. So, I like my ace five here as a three bet shove with 15 big blinds. Uh, if I'm in the neighborhood of 15 to 25 big blinds, I may just call and and see what happens. It's pretty hard to. Uh, raise to six or seven big blinds and then fold. So I'm pretty much committing my stack. Um, you know, I know some people uh, like to do the old stop and go where they just call here and then shove on pretty much any flop that they don't hit. Uh, I'm not a big fan of that play. It's usually pretty transparent what's happening there. So I would say as my stack gets shorter, I'm more prone to either just ship it in um, or just fold. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I think about that. Holding all else equal, how would the player type of the initial player have to change for us to change our action? So if they were, um, you know, if, if they're a pretty standard player, like we're assuming here, they're going to be opening a ton of pots. So if they're a very aggressive player, it doesn't really change anything for me because I'm already assuming um, that they're going to be opening pretty wide. So if they're, if they're a loose player, 
Uh, I said aggressive, but really what I mean is if they're loose, if they're opening a lot of pots, that doesn't change anything. I'm already assuming that their range is pretty wide. But if they're a super tight player, a very straightforward player, um, I guess a, a couple of things come to mind. Uh, they still might be opening uh, in an unraised, unlimped pot on the button. So I still have to give them credit for being a pretty good player, even if they're pretty nitty. So their range is going to be pretty wide. Um, but if they're also a, a pretty straightforward player, uh, after the flop, I may be more prone to just call, uh, see what they do on the flop. If it goes check, check, then I might try to delay uh, a delayed steal on the turn with somebody like that. But if they're a pretty good, tight, aggressive player, um, you know, I, I think it's it's it doesn't really change that that much that much much. much. So I think the only thing is if are a super tight, super straightforward player. Um, then uh, I'd be more more prone to get involved and maybe just call and kind of see what happens. And then any other factors that would drive us to potentially change our action? Um, you know, I mean, obviously, if the tournament situation were different, if we're on a bubble, that sort of thing, that might change some things. Uh, but for me, this is a pretty standard situation, and it's probably going to be stack size and player type that are going to be the key considerations, and with that, probably stack size more than player player type. I really do like the three bet here with the uh, with the intention of folding to a big four bet uh, against um, medium to big stacks. Uh, just like I said before, if, if I get four bet off of ace five suited, I'm not crushed. It's not the kind of hand that I just hate to lose equity on. Um, but I also think it's a good hand uh, that can connect in a lot of different ways. So uh, flops that have an ace, flops that have uh, low cards, you know, two, three, four, obviously, but but anything like that, I have some wheel draws in addition to an over, uh, a couple of diamonds. There's a fair amount of flops that I can continue with and feel pretty good about, in addition to the bluffs that I might have. So, uh, I think I think a three bet here is good. I think you're going to take the pot down a lot of times. Uh, maybe even uh, increasing the the three bet size uh, might help uh, with fold equity there. Um, so that's yeah, generally how I'm going to approach this. I'm interested to hear. Uh, what Taylor and Doug and Jonathan and Fox have to say. Uh, but those are my thoughts for today. Uh, so let's hear now from the other uh, two recreational players who submitted ideas. Doug Barron's here uh, answering the January 20th question uh, about us having uh, Ace-5 in the big blind uh, and a standard opening raise from the button before us. Uh, my typical course of action here is totally based on my history of hands with the button when I'm the big blind here. Has he been beaten up on me on every one of these? Uh, or is this a rare event? Is his 1800 a standard raise? Is a little bigger than normal? What is it? Um, the whole history uh, and what my judgment of his player type and skill after the flop is going to be. Um, that said, I'm pretty much 50-50 on folding this hand outright or re-raising. Um, I don't like calling with a weak ace in this situation because I'm almost always going to fold away to further aggression. Um, so if I re-raise, you know, I would just put in a fairly substantial raise like 5400 um, and see if he'll just say, okay, I don't want to play this hand. Um, now, what would have to change for us to change our action? Um, if this guy's playing every hand, I'm, I'm leaning more towards re-raising him from the big blind. 
particularly if I have been folding most of my big blinds. Um, you know, the, the, it's a weekend, and they're, you know, I think the vote's going to be to fold here. Um, stack sizes won't impact this much uh, from, unless either one of us is close to shoving because of a small stack. Um, if he's close to shoving with a small stack, I'm going to fold. Um, I don't want to call off, you know, half my stack or something like that with an ace five from a bad position. Um, and, uh, you know, the player type, like I mentioned already, if he's real loose aggressive and he's on me all the time, I'm going to raise here. Um, what other factors would potentially change? Well, you know, if we're nearing a bubble or a, a point break or something, um, you know, I'm more likely to fold here. There just isn't a whole lot of reason to defend my big blind. There's not a lot of chips in the pot, and I haven't seen any cards, so I don't know how this is going to run out. Anyways, that's Doug. I'm waiting for you guys to tell us uh, what to do here. Greetings, Rec Poker listeners. This is Taylor Moss. This is week two in our pre-flop decisions where we're in very theoretical situations. This week we're at a 10-person table. In the early stages of a tournament, blinds are 300-600, everyone has 30,000 in chips or 50 big blinds, and all players are standard, tight, aggressive players. In this hand, it folds around to the button who raises it up to three big blinds or 1800. The small blind folds and we are in the big blind with ace five suited. So in this situation, uh, my course of action would be to raise. Um, since we're going to be out of position, I would like to win the hand here if possible. Um, so I'm going to try and raise uh, to a an amount that I don't think the button's going to call unless they have a decent hand. And if they do have a decent hand, then we kind of realize uh, or narrow down their range and get a better understanding. So in this situation, uh, I'd like to make it about 3x what the button raised to. So we're talking about like 5,500, uh, maybe even upwards of 6,000. Uh, so somewhere in that range, just because the button has a very wide range. We're gonna be playing out of position if we call and folding here is definitely way too tight. So this is a hand that we're going to play and I would like to try and win it now so I don't have to play the hand out of position. Another thing to be considering is the fact that we do have an ace in our hand and the concept of having blockers means that it is slightly less likely that our opponent holds an ace in their hand and therefore is more likely that they're going to be folding if we uh, raise it back at them. That doesn't mean they're always going to, uh, but does give us a slight blocker advantage. Then part two of this talks about if other things were to change around the stack size or player type, uh, how would we change our action? So similar to what I discussed last week, if either player had a lower chip stack, say in the 15 to 20 big blind range, uh, if it was us that had the small chip stack, I would be looking to raise all in here. If it was the other opponent that had the small chip stack, I would like to be trying to raise them all in. Uh, just because we realize all of our fold equity if we do that. And if called, uh, ace-five suited is no worse than 30% against any hand, I believe. Uh, so we're going to be in a decent spot regardless. 
and I think the fold equity makes up for any times that we get called with while we have the worst hand. Uh, talking about player types, I think the only thing that really makes me reconsider this is if our opponent is not a tight aggressive player, but a just a tight player that doesn't seem to play many hands. Um, and if there's any sort of bet sizing uh, tells that we can pick up on. So if they're never raising to 1800 and now they finally did, that might be some sort of tell. Um, or if they've just been very passive when they get the button and it's folded around to them and now they finally raised uh, those types of indicators. Otherwise, I'm probably getting attached to this hand. I would like to raise preflop. If I get four bet here with these deep chip stacks, I'm probably just gonna let it go. Uh, but using this as a kind of three bet bluff type of hand, I think is very, very profitable in the long run. So until next week. Thank you so much, Doug and Taylor. Uh, now let's take a quick break here to thank our official sponsor, Running Aces, and then we will come back with thoughts from Chris Fox Wallace of Next Level Poker Tour and Jonathan Little with PokerCoaching.com. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack has the best poker room in Minnesota, featuring 24-7 promos on all cash poker games, including earning $2 per hour in comps, plus the most player-friendly tourney structures. Visit RunAces.com for daily promotions and the tournament calendar. Running Aces Casino and Racetrack, the official sponsor of Rec Poker. Fox here from Next Level Poker. Uh, I like this question better than last week's. This is more interesting to me anyway. Um, so when the button raises to 1800, um, essentially raises to three big blinds with 50 big blinds, I like to talk about everything basically in terms of big blinds. Um, when the button makes that play after it's folded around to him, his range is super wide. Even if he's a standard tag, his range has to be super wide. Ace-5 suited plays great against that range. If it was a 2.2x range, you could make a raise. You could make a little better case for flatting. But he's made it 3x. That's putting a lot of money in just to flat see a flop and be out of position and have to try and play against an unknown range. You know, it's much tougher, I think, to, to play against a wide range a lot of the time. So since we won't know what this guy's range is if we flat, um, it's going to be tough to play out of position against him with a small suited ace. I like a three bet here. He's put a bunch of money in the pot. Um, when he raises to 1800 I probably make, since I'm out of position, my three bets are bigger. I always make my three bets bigger when I'm out of position because I'm not excited about seeing a flop and I want to punish my opponent now. Either get the hand over or put more money in the pot when I'm ahead. And also get better definition on your hands. So I probably make it 6,300 here and see how he likes that. And that gives me a lot of definition. If he calls, then I feel like he's got most of the time he's got a fairly strong hand. He's not going to do that with a, you know, king nine offsuit very often. So I've at least got some definition on him. But he's not going to call very often. I mean, you know, he's going to fold the vast majority of his range if he's a standard tag. He's probably raising 40% from the button and folding down to like 8% here. And he's probably three betting the top couple percent of that if he's a standard tag. So you really have him knocked down to like that three to seven, three to eight percent range that includes a lot of like 
ace ten suited and king queen and a pair of sevens and hands like that and it's going to be fairly easy for you to play against that range and with that bigger three bet when you make your your bet on the flop and you make it two-thirds of the pot it looks like a big deal now at that point if you make it say you make it 6300 or 6200 you know there's going to be like over 13 there's going to be around 13,000 in the pot so you bet like 9500 on the flop and it's a real threat to him um you know you're betting less than half of your remaining chips but it still looks very scary and you can you can be bet folding there and you can actually bet like on a lot of flops on a lot of boards you could bet 6500 and give yourself an easy bet fold um obviously if you flop anything you know if you flop a couple fives or a five on like a five four nine board or if you flop an ace or if you flop two of your suit or you know whatever then if you flop something really you're going to play it differently but on 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 almost any other board you're going to have to see bet there you know even if the flop is king queen jack of spades he's going to miss that almost as often as you've missed it and you have to bet it you know you hate to check there and have a pair of fours blow out of this pot when you just bloated it pre-flop with that big three bet so you're you're really looking to avoid having to see a flop but if you see a flop make it pretty easy to play that flop and so if the board is say 997 against a standard tag you can bet 6500 here and if he flats he just has a pair of sixes or something and you can blow him off it on the turn if he raises he's almost always got the nine or a pair of sevens or a pair of tens or something and you can fold and you fold it and you get away for cheaper when you're betting the 6500 um but he's going to fold most of the time because he's going to assume you have an overpair and you're not folding it and so he's just going to throw whatever he has away that makes life much easier to play the hand that way um we also look at different stack sizes if if his stack size or our stack size is below 18 big blinds i'm getting it all in um I'm just putting it in standard re-steal stacks. Easy to get it in here. Um, the player type, if he, if he was really laggy, I still probably play it the same way. Maybe I make an even bigger preflop three bet to like 6,500 um, just so that I don't get him to play with me because lag players tend to play better after the flop and I don't want to see flops against this guy. Uh, if he's a weak type player, uh, maybe my three bet's not quite as big. Maybe it's... 5800 because I don't need to put as much pressure on him to get him to fold. Um, you know, if he's a really, really bad player that just pays off everything, then I might flat and see a flop and hope to outflop him and make 30,000. That's the only way. He'd have to be a very readable player that I know I can that I know I can bust if I flop something. Uh, then I might see a flop with him. Otherwise, there's enough money in the pot to make it worth just taking it now. Hello, this is Jonathan Little from PokerCoaching.com, and today we have a question that's similar to the question last week, except for this time we are playing a 10-handed tournament early in the day with 300-600 blinds with a 100 ante, 50 big blind stacks again, 30,000. Folds around this time to the button, as opposed to last week we were against an early position raiser. Now the button, a standard tight aggressive player, makes it 1,800. Three big blinds this week, as opposed to 2.5 big blinds last time. Small blind folds, and we're in the big blind with ace-5 suited. So, what is their typical course of action under these base assumptions? Well, I'm going to call every time. 
Ace-5 suited is a hand that flops reasonably well. If you 3-bet and your opponent jams, obviously that's unfortunate. If you 3-bet and your opponent calls, you have to play from out of position with a hand that's usually going to flop, you know, well enough, but at the same time not amazingly well. So this is a spot where I'm just going to call. Um, the times you want to be 3-betting from the big blind against most reasonable opponents are when your opponent, or when you, when you have hands that don't flop particularly well. I mean, you're going to 3-bet your, your nut hands, obviously, but Ace-5 suited is not a nut hand. Um, the hands I'm bluffing with tend to be hands like the low ace-x offsuits, like ace-2, ace-3, ace-4, ace-5, ace-6. Offsuit, though. Uh, King-x, like king-6-5-4-3-2. Queen-6-5-4-3-2. And then some suited jacks, like jack-3 and jack-2 suited. I actually did this recently in a $10,000 buy-in tournament where I ended up taking second place. Um, you can find that on my blog at jonathanlillipoker.com. You have to maybe scroll down a little bit, but I go through the whole final table video and I discuss some of the hands that I play. And there's one where I three bet Jack two suited from the big blind in a spot very similar to this. So anyway, uh, ace five suited is too good. You need to call. All right. Holding everything else equal. How would the stack size of the, of the initial razor or our stack size? It's the same thing. How would that change our decision? Well, as stacks get deeper, I'm still just calling the ace-five suited because it flops really well. And as stacks become shorter, I'm going to consider going all in. Usually you can go all in for about 10 times your opponent's raise size or less. So here, our opponent made it three big blinds. So we could go all in for something like 30 big blinds or less, which would be 18,000 chips. It's actually a pretty good amount, right? And that's just because if your opponent folds anywhere near too often... Shoving is going to be very, very profitable, and you're going to find that most people do sh uh, fold to all ends too often. So um, as we get shorter, I'm going to be more inclined to shove. If you tell me my opponent, though, is a standard tight aggressive player, their level of tightness will dictate how often I'm shoving. If the player is very tight, then I'm definitely just going to call instead. If the player is you know, reasonable and loose, then I'm definitely going to shove with a shorter stack of about 30 big blinds or less. And that's just because at that point... If you're ever stealing the pot preflop, you're just making a significant amount of money. I definitely suggest everyone study up on short stack play. I think that's a situation where a lot of amateurs go wrong. A lot of people say things like, um, you know, late stages of tournaments when you're down to 20 big blinds is all luck because it's a all under fold shove fest. But in reality, most people play way too tightly, both shoving and calling off. And if you play those situations better than your opponents, you're not going to have a huge win rate in, turn of big, in terms of big blinds, but you have to realize one big blind is very often a starting stack or something like that. So, you know, if you're winning half a big blind per orbit and half a big blind is equal to a starting stack, you're winning like half of a starting stack each orbit, which is just a ton of money. So don't get in the mindset that it's just a luck fest and therefore you shouldn't worry about it. There's a lot of money to be won in these scenarios. So what other factors would drive us to potentially change our action this is actually very similar to last week's question, where really, the only thing that's going to make me change the way I play this, this specific ace-five suited is if my hand is worse. But when we have ace-five suited, the only thing that's really going to dictate changes we are going to make is how is our opponent playing. But even then, if our opponent's a maniac, we don't want to three-bet ace-five suited because we're not calling a shove. If our opponent's really tight, we don't really want to three-bet ace-five suited because our opponent's range should actually have ace-five suited in marginal shape. So just call and see a flop. It's okay to call and see a flop, even from out of position. Okay, thanks everybody. Uh, that's it for today. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, rate it, leave a comment, uh, shoot me a note with feedback, topic suggestions, hand situations, stevefredland at gmail.com, or reach out to the Rec Poker group on Facebook, or follow on Twitter at Rec Poker. 
Um, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Uh, we want to keep getting better. Uh, hopefully, uh, you have good success on the felt. And we will chat with you next week.